Um, okay, so basically, Eric, I was watching um, Matrix Resurrections, um, and while it was like a fighty fighty part that like I was like, okay, this isn't really telling me anything. It's just they're shooting guns and it's really cool. I took my phone out to play the hit, uh, the hit video game Wordle <laughs> to do my daily Wordle. And I was sitting there and I was like, I don't know why, but I have this feeling in my bones that I'm going to guess it in two. I'm going to like guess one and it's going to be wrong. And I'm going to guess the second word and it's going to be right. And it happened. <gasps> and I'm just saying maybe, maybe that's, that, maybe that's my own matrix that I'm living in. Is that proof that we are in the <laughs> matrix right now? You know, those little world squares kind of look like the matrix code. If they you do. Get them right. they're gi- yeah. They're giving the green, they're giving green and black. They're giving code. It's something to think about. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> they're giving wake up listener because it's time for another episode of gay for play. Wait, no, that's the cold open. The music would play now. Welcome to Gay for Play, a podcast about all things queer in the world of video games, pop culture, and beyond. I'm Lawrence Turner Cordova, but you can call me um, Leo, because it's like Neo with an L. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and I'm Eric Solis, but you can call me Mr. Solis. <laughs> Uh, and welcome to Gay for Play. Um, how you doing? How's it going? Ooh, I'm good. You know, questioning the nature of my own reality. What else is new? Oh, you know, aren't we always? Aren't we always? Um, I'm like, uh, speaking of reality, I'm feeling like a bit more in my bod. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I did like yoga today and went for a walk in the sun. And I was like, oh my God, is life suddenly worth living? <laughs> Why do I you know, do that to myself like three times a week? <laughs> right? Like all I have to do is just like go outside and remind, like literally touch grass. And it just all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, there's like oh, joy in this world. Serotonin. Um, yes. That's a thing that I can make in my brain still sometimes. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm feeling, feeling I feeling. That's nice. I've been, I've been doing a 30 day yoga challenge and I've done. Ooh, with yoga with Adrian? Yoga with Tim actually. Cause Tim's really hot. Have <gasps> you seen yoga with Tim before? Ooh. I have not. I oh my god! You should that. watch. You should watch yoga with Tim. He's like very like meditative, but also like a surfer bro. Mm, um, good times. Mm, anyway, he, I, we're, he's doing a thirty day challenge. We're on what today is the nineteenth of January, and I'm on I think the seventh video. So that's how that's work. going. I, have you been? But have you been like? Wait, did you start seven days ago, or have you just been intermittently doing it? <laughs> no, throughout? that's how many I've I've done it seven days uh, since I the beginning see. of okay, the month. Um, I but, was gonna do, but hey, I have a whole month. But I have a whole bunch of videos I can catch up with now. Thankfully, because there's nice. gonna be thirty of them. Yeah, I was going to do our Queen Yoga with Adrian's 30-day challenge, which she also started this month. But um, I delayed it because I was like, well, I'm going to L.A. early this month, and I'll just like start it once I get back. Um, and then I got back, and I've been here for a week and a half, and then finally started today. So hey, on my yoga cake, look at us being stretchy and mindful. Love that. <laughs> Ooh, maybe I'll take down my Christmas decorations next. Those are still up. Hey, we're getting there. We're getting there. January's weird, which we all know. January. I'm sorry, King. Do you mean filmuary? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's right. It's filmuary. 
<laughs> Which, it was, it's so funny, after last week's episode, like, you finished editing the episode, and I was prepping the social media post, and then I texted you, and I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, this name would have made more sense for February. For February? <laughs> I, I, I agree that it would have made more sense, but I think we were more desperate for something to do this month of January we were, instead. Yeah, we were desperate for content, so had to make it happen now. So sorry, February. I guess you have to settle with being Black History Month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, wait, um, wait, oh, wait, yeah. wait, Black Video Game History Month. Um. Yeah, that'd be dope. I think we should, actually should like look yeah. into. No, I love that idea. Actually, we should. Ooh, I actually do. We'll Ooh, I'm already later. having a couple thoughts. Okay, we'll talk Ooh. about that later. Anyway. Yeah. Good to know. It's still filmuary now. Content coming down the road, but yeah, it's filmuary. We're spending all month talking about uh, movies instead of video games because there's none coming out right now, mm-hmm. um, which is going to change shortly. But um, yeah, today we're talking about uh, one of your favorite movie franchises, Eric. But yes, um, a very a very um, appropriately metaverse esque film series. Mm-hmm. Um, although before that metaverse, though, we should mention the other. I guess real life we, metaverse uh, development, yeah, which is which is so weird. Okay, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, and all the headlines are like, "This is the biggest move for metaverse." I'm like, well, "Why? What is?" Wait, this I haven't seen those. Yeah, people are saying it's like this is Microsoft's like bid into the metaverse. Like Facebook rebranded to Meta as Oculus, but now that Microsoft is buying Activision, just... I don't. That's why I'm like, wait, why is this a metaverse? I don't think thing? you can just like buy. I don't think companies buying other companies just automatically make something a metaverse thing. Like mm-hmm. I think the word you're looking for, honey, is monopoly. Which is yes. like I think what Microsoft it, is trying it, to do. It means get in the trade commission and break those mothers up. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, this news was like. Cray, I saw, I saw it. It was, it happened at like eight a.m. Eastern time, and I was awake because I'm a at little, five a.m. Uh, famously, yeah, I'm a little night rat. Um, and so I saw this was happening. I was like, oh, this is gonna be like huge video game news. Everyone's gonna talk about it. I don't have too much to say about it other than like, it's um, it, it's shady. It's shady, like it, it's shady, but also like as a gamer, I'm like, okay, cool, more games for it, more games <laughs> for Game Pass. Game that Pass. was my first thought as a newcomer like, to Game Pass. I'm like, okay, so do I get Crash Bandicoot on Game Pass now? <laughs> Thank you, yeah, please. It will is Overwatch two a game that is definitely real and will come out someday. Gonna be day one on Game Pass now, probably. Um, also, like I think the biggest, you know, the reason we're talking about it is just because Activision Blizzard has been in the news, had um, such a famously bad for 2021. so long. Yeah, real bad year for her. Um, um, which is crazy because even I remember even like Nintendo and Microsoft both, or was it Microsoft or like a bunch of companies like put out public statements that like the the activity at Activision Blizzard is like very concerning, and we were like reconsidering our relationship. They were like literally <laughs> Phil Spencer like put out a statement like we're considering we're reconsidering our Activision Blizzard relationship, and turns out what that meant is we're buying them. We're buying them. Yeah. Um. Some people are pointing out that like this gives um fuckhead Bobby Kotick and like easy outs like he's probably just gonna get a payout and then quietly leave the company or stay on um it's unclear at this both point, are but, bad but yeah it doesn't seem like he's gonna be facing the consequences of his actions anytime soon which is shitty um but like I don't know I but I think there is also the hope past, that there's... like that this will like trigger a change in leadership that will actually activate real yeah. good like chain workplace change in the company who's to say i mean it's it's all speculative because this hasn't this has only been announced and not like actually happened yet so yeah. we will have to see i suppose yeah and i don't have any more thoughts on it now but it's a big thing that's happening and as video game reporters i guess we'll we'll be carefully monitoring we'll be talking about it i guess <laughs> it is crazy to think that like crash bandicoot which was like a sony playstation mascot is now like 
owned by the Microsoft Corporation. Technically owned by Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Same with, like, I mean, like, Banjo-Kazooie, same thing. Same uh, with Rare. Yeah, Microsoft's owned Rare for a while. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of those games have gone the way of Microsoft. It's just yeah, scary. Well, it, yeah, I and mean... it's interesting, too, just seeing how... And I, I guess maybe this is a metaverse aspect of it. It's just seeing how, like, different IP is just... The, the, the ownership of IP seems a lot more fluid and um, weird in these times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also just, like, also. common knowledge. Like, it's weird that everyone knows about characters ips just in like everyday conversation now mm-hmm. like it used to be a nerdy <laughs> thing and now like your dentist is talking about like who owns spider-man is he, oh yeah okay i guess the, the spider-man of it all <laughs> i was like i don't feel like i have that many friends in my life who are talking about uh <laughs> ip <laughs> agreements um but yeah well you so, gotta yeah, get we'll you gotta goes. get nerdier friends dude um and then before we talk about our main old big old topic, I did want to take us to Pokemon Corner because uh, Pokemon comes out next Friday, a week from the time you're listening to this, dear listener, if you're listening when we release. Um, and I've been super skeptical about this game. I haven't... Uh, you Okay, you just changed my note on what it is. So I, I didn't put change your note, notes. I added to your note. <laughs> yeah, but you significantly changed the meaning. So I wrote in our little show notes that I think Pokemon Legends Arceus is going to be good, actually, I think. And you said you said slash bad. Did you watch the new gameplay stuff that they released? I didn't know. I, did, I, didn't, I did see there was new gameplay stuff, though. Does it, does it change? Is it is it an opinion changer? Because I, I I feel like if it was like a big deal, I would have heard about it. But I didn't hear. I, well, I heard, I heard you know nothing. How, you know how the question has been, like, is this just going to be Pokemon Breath of the Wild? Mm-hmm. Um, this video made it clear that the answer to that question is a resounding yes. <laughs> but Great. Awesome. I think that's, I think, think that might be a good thing. Like, it's really taking a lot of Breath of the Wild inspiration, like, down to just, like, its aesthetics. Like, the sound design, it's, like, open nature mm-hmm. Foley effects, and you're, like, walking through nature and, like, sneaking up on Pokemon and, like picking up uh, items in nature to, like, craft resources. Um, but I think it's going to work really well for the series. I hope the, it the does. About, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm erring on the side of it's going to be okay. It sounds like... It seems I think like it's going to be a pretty good time, I think. Um, yeah. You know, I think so many people... Like, the discourse is, like, so many games are drawing from Breath of the Wild now uh, because that game came out and, like, changed the damn game. And then basically every game was like, okay, well, why don't we just do this? Um, and I think a lot of people have been, like, complaining about that that every game is like taking so much from breath of the wild but here's the thing i don't know if you knew this eric but breath of the wild's a pretty good game yeah (laughs) yeah and imitation is the most sincere form of flattery and this new pokemon game looks like the most sincerest game in that aspect (laughs) um so yeah i was initially gonna like wait for it to come out and then like decide if i wanted to buy it afterwards or not but after this like gameplay footage i was like yeah no, yeah, I'm buying this day one, and I pre-ordered my copy, so. That's nice. I'm I'm excited. I mean, it's it's nice that it's getting a January release. It's nice that we're starting off the year with a game that is yeah. going to be, whether good or bad, is going to be a game everyone's Probably talking good. about. And I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Probably bad. We'll see. You know? Probably you, good. Ooh, an- Angel, good. Angel. Uh, I can give you Angel or Devil, but I'm coming at the Devil this week. Okay. <laughs> I reject your pessimism, Eric. I'm I'm an optimistic boy. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually. I was going to say I am. I did see the trailer for um, Kirby, the new Kirby game. Ooh, yeah, um, and I'm I'm very good. excited about that. I did see I'm that so gameplay excited. trailer, and that is actually going to be a masterpiece. That yeah. which it, which I'm, is also giving very Kirby meets Breath of the Wild, which again I'm not yeah. super mad about. 
it's not super roundabout. Uh, the other, you know, to complete that trifecta, uh, Sonic Frontiers later this year, I'm also mm-hmm. optimistic for. Although that, that is not an open world out. game, it is going to be called an open zone game. Open zone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, should be noted too. I don't think Kirby's going to be open world. I like based on that. No, new I, it looks trailer. like it'll yeah. be closer to like a three D world esque like three D <laughs> levels to walk through. What did we? What did you say? I, I said it's going to be open zone. Open zone. Yeah, it's going to be actually. It's going to be a strand game. It's it's going <laughs> to that would be sick as fuck. <laughs> um, actually, every Kirby game is an open hole game because he just opens his mouth and like suddenly yeah, and, and suddenly you're jumping sucks, in and who knows who knows what happens. Yeah. Anyways, enough about Kirby's gaping hole. Mm. <laughs> Eric, what are we here to talk about today? Oh my gosh. So, like we said, it's still filmy where we bitch, which means that we're talking about movies and we're talking about a movie. I will say is probably the reason why I wanted to do a filmy where because I was like, oh fuck, I want to talk about the mm-hmm. Matrix for the podcast, but it's not a video game. But it's our podcast, so I, I I can also say that it's this now. So we're talking about the Matrix and The Matrix Resurrections. The Matrix colon Resurrections. Yeah. Speaking of holes, colon. (laughs) Stupid. Oh my god, shut the the fuck up. (laughs) Cut it out. (laughs) <laughs> Yay, Matrix! Ooh, 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 oh ooh. boy, I'm. Okay. I, you can't see us, listener, but we do have like our sunglasses on, very tight black leather. There is green code mm-hmm. coming down over the screen right now, so I hope you're excited. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm doing backbends and uh, bullet timing my way through. Um, uh, through this podcast, so <laughs> through all the mean time. comments on Twitter, we're gonna get for talking about the Matrix incorrectly. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I guess to lead off this conversation, I guess I've been, you've been very excited for this episode. I'm excited to talk with you because I know that this is something that you uh, love dearly. And I love talking uh, to my friends about things they're passionate about because that's the whole reason that we do this. Uh, I've been intimidated because I am a newcomer to this franchise and feel like I can't really like add anything novel. But uh, I'm coming to this from a... from a place of an open mind, open heart, which I think is very, um, very fitting for this series. Excellent. And yeah, sharing. respect to the space. You're in a Matrix fandom space now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just sharing what I think. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. I-, I watched this movie for the first time with you, um, like, what, just last week? a couple week? weekends like, ago. Week yeah, ago? when you were down here in LA. Um, um, yeah, so I'm and so I guess I want to... the Matrix train. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to hear your first impressions first, and then I'll talk more about, like, my history with it. But what did you feel like... With, with all that said, sitting down and actually, like, watching this movie for the first time. Yeah, okay, so I was shocked that I had, like, very, like, little knowledge of what this movie was actually about. <laughs> um, um, do you want to try to explain The Matrix? <laughs> okay, wait, should I explain? Wait, let me explain first what I thought it was, and then okay. I'll explain what the movie actually okay. is. So I thought it was just about a dude who... Um, uploaded his consciousness into a computer and like forgot he was there until like someone tries to break him out and offers him like a red pill or a blue pill one you know red pill being like you'll see the truth of the thing you did um mm-hmm. blue pill you'll stay happy in this world so i knew that there, there was that dichotomy there but i thought that the matrix was like a thing that like a bunch of like like a group of scientists that all like put themselves into yeah i didn't know it was an actual like horror show sci-fi dystopia where I guess spoilers for the first Matrix film. Um, 
AI robots have taken over the planet and are using mm-hmm. humans and their brain electricity to power giant batteries to like give them life and in doing so they have like enslaved a bunch of like grown and enslaved humans for generations uh to use them as like part of a computer battery cell basically yeah basically Um, creating the reality known as the matrix which is a recreation of our real human life reality um Mm -hmm. and all these people are just walking around thinking that they're living their lives but really they're in the matrix honey Mm-hmm. Um, and Keanu Reeves is a uh, just some dude who is like, in, in, is he like a software developer in the first one? I think he's a he software developer, and like on the side is like a hacker kind, very like Rami Malek, Mister Robot kind of a yeah. Um, and he is starting to see the cracks in the China girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's having suspicions. Day, um, is one day contacted by humans from the outside world, uh, particularly uh, Lawrence Fishburne, my namesake. Did you know that? Oh my gosh. You know, I'm named after Lawrence Fishburne. I didn't even of. know that. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm named after... Now that actually, I think about I it, those are the only two Lawrences. Holy shit. <laughs> I was named after my uncle Lawrence, but he spelled his name with a W, and I famously spelled my name with a U. And while my parents were uh, pregante with me, they saw a movie that had Lawrence Fishburne in it, and they saw his U spelling, and they were like, oh, that's how we're going to spell our son's name. So. Oh, literally. Slay. Oh, I thought you were making a joke, but you literally no, were named... No, no, I'm be- serious. They saw him I'm on TV and were like, like let's do that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, but anyways, my namesake, Lawrence Fishburne, is uh, Morpheus, and he's this dude who... Um, That's really crazy, because my middle name is actually Morpheus. Wait, wait, isn't your middle name Lawrence? <laughs> It is yes. I always forget this about you. That's so. Wait, that's like, isn't that so crazy. isn't that so crazy and wild that like that's my so middle wild. name is your first name? Also, wait, do I want to put Ooh. my middle name on the podcast? Do I want? Is that also? Is that a okay thing? Is that like sharing your social security? Is that like a thing you're supposed to keep? T- I go by two last names on this podcast, which just makes the chances of finding me online like um, skyrocket through the roof. Oh, nice! Um, Should I go by Eric Lawrence Solis, or would that be confusing because your name is? Also I think it would be a little confusing because it's like kind of my thing. Okay, but also, is that a coincidence, or maybe are we in the Matrix and we are destined to, to meet in this way? Ooh. Hey, that's the kind of question this movie raises. That's the thing is that like, yeah, well, yeah, you, that was a very good explanation for what the Matrix is. But yet, like me, when I saw this for the first time as a young child, like literally every coincidence in my life for a year after i saw this movie was like it's the matrix i'm in the matrix yeah life's a Which simulation i get that like i like it's so interesting coming into this and being like oh i get so many matrix references that have been made in life mm-hmm. like because this whole thing is like the whole idea is that like is any of our life a reality and do we have a choice in anything that we do and so i was really mm-hmm. interested in uh, or intrigued by the matrix and what it had to say about like free will and determinism and um human nature and all that all that good shit um, but also really cool like thoughts. kicking and punching and guns yeah yeah also yeah yeah slow-mo gunfights cool kung fu because like yeah keanu Reeves is kind of like a badass and it's like kung fu and the matrix is like kind of like an anime if you think about it and so it makes super it's so it's so nerdy like i i love the matrix but i admit it is like one of like the more like esoteric and nerdy like film franchises to be obsessed with it's interesting too like i think the reason why i like unintentionally slash maybe semi-intentionally avoided it for so long is just because like it has this stigma of being just like a thing that dudes are really into and this like hyper masculine thing and i think we'll talk about how this like movie has been like co-opted and like misrepresented by men (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the most part um and like i don't know kind of challenging those ideas because i mean my other big takeaway after having seen this movie for the first time was like 
oh damn, I don't see how anyone could watch this and not see it as a queer slash trans allegory. Literally that. <laughs> like, I know that, like, yeah. I, I know that, like, that's kind of a um, popular reading of it today and is, you know, the tea. Um, but, like, I didn't realize, like, how on the nose it was until I saw it. Um, yeah. But anyways, that's me rambling. You are the super fan. Uh, what was your first um, uh, interfacing with this movie? And Ooh. just, I guess, generally, how do you feel about it? I want to say I saw this when I was, like, 12. I It is one of the few, like, I remember, like, where I was when I saw this. I saw it, like, on TV in my parents' bedroom. And I remember literally after, like, the movie ended, like, looking at my hands and being, like, what is my life and my reality? Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's like the perfect um, meeting point of like philosophy and also like science fiction for me. Like when I was a kid, I didn't really, I didn't like attach to like things like Lord of the Rings or things like um, even Star Wars. Like I saw the Star Wars movies, but I wouldn't say those are like the things that I obsessed about. Like the thing mm-hmm. that I could not stop thinking about as like a young, young teen closeted queer figuring things out like the thing that unsurprisingly really spoke to me and like really resonated with me was this movie the matrix um because we'll talk about it in depth later but there really is something um very intriguing to 12 year old eric about a movie that is asking you to question your reality and like not be afraid to live your life authentically and Mm -hmm. seek out the people that will accept you and not um, surround yourself with like the people that will continue to lie about you to who your true like, true self is like it's all there mm-hmm. yeah um yeah do you want to be trapped in this um you know corporate capitalist um uh bliss of a hellscape cis heteronormative with, even yeah or do you want to hang out with um some of the queerest people you've ever seen on a cool little spaceship <laughs> and if, and like you have to think about, again, and I, I was like, think about 1999 again. We were like small children, but we weren't like super conscious of culture, I think, in the year 1999. But when you watch this movie today, like it is really crazy to see like how these aesthetics were really never popularized in like the mainstream at the time. Like that whole, you know, tight leather latex, like sunglasses, like this very androgynous look, this very pale skinned. Mm-hmm. like emo like new metal punk kind of style like it was really cool but also like really uh offbeat and really weird and just not normal and i think that's part mm-hmm. of why it was so striking to people when it when it hit the way it did yeah what did what did you think watching this movie you you, you said you weren't expecting it to be like a horror show like there is some like very upsetting body stuff that happens yeah. um, in, in near the beginning of this film yeah which Again, like going kind of into, you know, uh, just jumping into queer theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Which I think we have to because that's why we're talking about it. It's a obviously, video game podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's our whole podcast or whatever. But like, I mean, the first thing I, the first thing that really struck me was a little like, um, so when he's first escaping the Matrix, they like, the the computer guys like plant a virus inside his stomach. And it's like mm-hmm. this like little worm thing. that like, It's like this little robot shrimp that goes down his belly button. Yeah. <sighs> It's oh, so it's, it's so, it's so gross. Even to this day, but, I watch it and I'm like, it's so uncomfortable. But immediately, the first thing that jumped out to my mind was like, oh, interesting. It's like this oppressive, um, you know, this oppressive power structure that's like uh, forcing something onto his body and telling him that like, this is the way. And it like immediately made me think of like, um, just the, the imagery of it was like you know something was being inserted into where a uterus would be and like this mm-hmm. whole idea of like control it had kind of like um uh you know 
forced hysterectomy vibes a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. it, just like the whole imagery of it, just like seeing how like how visceral it was and how much it had to do with the body politic. Ooh, look at me. Yeah. Using. <laughs> well, <laughs> even because even when um uh, when Neo wakes up from the Matrix, he's like in this pod full of goo, but like his arms and yeah. legs and like going down the back of his spine is always like plug like cords that are plugged into him mm-hmm. and he like pull and he pulls this like giant this, like thing out of his mouth it's out like, of his esophagus it's, yeah yeah very intense yeah like i said that was a huge shock to me because i had no idea that this was this like sci-fi horror type thing but yeah again i, I just thought it was really interesting to just see like um this idea of controlling the body and controlling the mind um yeah that was uh spooky nice. <laughs> but i did i dug it yeah, and and the for all of the horror of the movie, I really I really adore the first one. I don't think we're going to talk about the second and third one because um, you haven't seen well, them, and also they're we not as highly can't I didn't regarded. Watch them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. For for all of this like um, shock and horror of like discovering what the Matrix is, like the at at its core, the movie is this story of like waking up to your true potential, and mm-hmm. you know Neo learns that he is the one. He is this um person who is in the Matrix who has the power to bend his will around the Matrix and destroy these agents. And, you know, he is the prophesized one that is going to be able to destroy the machines and end the war between the humans and the machines and free all the humans from the Matrix. And um it's 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 very corny when you talk when you talk about it. And it is corny yeah. when you watch it today, well, but but it's very um earnest, which I think is like something that comes up over and over again in the work of um the two directors, the Wachowski sisters, is that all of their work is very much about like the power of love and yeah. um, the strength of human bonds is going to like win out every time. Yeah. Yeah, there's this there's this sense of like almost like corny optimism that runs through mm-hmm. these movies that like I think is um like you said, it can be cheesy, but I think it ultimately is like deployed well, and like I think it's it, I think it's really interesting in that like I guess the central conflict in these films is man versus machine. You know, these machines believe that human life is uh, um, expendable, and that we are just um, we are just a bunch of like brainwave signals that can be like transferred into code and can, can be controlled through facts. And we're all um, basically batteries. Like all we are to them exactly. are batteries. Yeah. Um, and you know, this whole idea of what saves them isn't, you know, it's not just that Keanu Reeves is this chosen one type figure, but it's that like he saves the world through the power of love and that his like feelings mm-hmm. triumph over these like cold hard facts. Yeah. Um, and that it's not just that he is the one, but that people believe he is the one, you know, there's this really yeah. great sort of, oracle character who tells him early on in the first movie ah you're not the one sorry kid but yet people continue to believe in him and at the end of the day it is you know in in a lot of ways trinity his love interest carrie ann moss who is you know the one that believes that he is the one that gives him the power to do it and so it's this weird little logic loop of did her believing in him make him the one or was his belief in himself or was he always destined and and that stuff isn't very chicken the egg tease it is very chicken in the egg and that's very that's very um, cool to have in a movie about codes and machines and, you know, binary zeros and ones. You can be mm. one thing or the other. And yet the thing that is like the most powerful is that that is untangible and undefinable. That like is the thing that wins out at the end. That's that's what's really yeah. cool about these hardcore dude bro action <laughs> movies that got co-opted into like a right wing red pill movement. So let's talk about yeah. that part. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I guess before we do that, like, again, it is crazy to me how anyone can watch this movie and not have a queer reading on it, which I guess is just Mm -hmm. what straight people's whole thing is. It's just like missing the point entirely. But it's like, 
everything is so on the nose. Like, you know, when he first meets Trinity, he's like, because like he had been like communicating to her through like texts and stuff mm-hmm. uh, and like meets her and is like, uh, um, he says something along the, to the effect of like, I thought you'd be a guy. And then she's uh, like, most guys do. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the Wachowskis hadn't come out as trans at that point in 1999. So like, it, it's just crazy how they were just yeah. dropping little hints. Uh, well, it, it makes mentioned- me think a lot about um, a game we've talked about on the show before, Celeste, um, mm-hmm. which was also made by um, a game creator who, after the release of the game, realized they were trans and looking back on the game goes, oh, Celeste was actually the thing that helped me process and realize that. I think watching the Matrix movies, you go, oh, I absolutely see how the Wachowski could, could have written this in the 90s and then years later gone back and go, oh, that's what. Oh, this, yeah. this makes a lot of sense. This makes yeah. a lot more which sense I, now. I, I, I think it's like kind of a queer superpower that yeah, <laughs> that it's we so have. it's like, like a prescience. It's like a ultimate prescience of like yeah. I love this down, idea that deep down we know yeah that like queerness is like essentially a part of us even when we aren't aware of it. And who knows? I mean, maybe the Wachowskis were 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 aware of their gender identity and you know just wanted mm-hmm. to soft launch it. <laughs> yeah, but but they they, um, they at least were not like open publicly with um, yeah. With their identities, which again, as I think we'll talk about in a bit of what makes the fourth one so interesting is that this is, that's the only one that's been made since Mm -hmm. they've been out as trans. And so I think the queerness is even more deliberate, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, But so my question is, so the whole red pill, blue, blue, red pill, blue pill thing. Red pill, blue pill. One, two, one, fish, one pill, two, two pill, red pill, blue pill. (laughs) One pill, blue pill. And that's the title of that. We got it. Um, um, What was I going to say about it? just that 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 happened (laughs) well it's so obviously to me like watching this i'm like oh well red pill is the choice to you know live your truth and um i guess uh transition or come out or you know whatever that embracing of your queerness is versus blue pill is the choice to like blend into society uh choose to stay in the dark about your the truth yeah stay in the darkness and accept the comfort of what's known versus the um the freedom of the scary truth. Um, so my question is, how does that get misinterpreted into a hate movement <laughs> on the part of men? Because I truly, like, I know that, like, the red pill movement is a thing. I have no clue, like, how it originated or what it is. I mean, it's, I mean, I want to say, like, all terrible things on the internet probably started on 4chan. 4chan, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think the Gamergate movement is also, like, also was festering in the public at the time, but it's, you know, it's the idea that, uh, you know, like we just in said, Gamergate was already, already had its rumblings. No, well, I, well I'll say, well, cause, cause the, the matrix wasn't immediately like known as like a men's rights, red pill thing. The men, the whole men's rights. Oh, so that came thing around, like a, around the same that, time as Gamergate? That only came around. Yeah. That came around like early oh, 2010s. Work. Well, yeah, because what, what famously happened is the matrix came out. It was a hit. They made two more movies that were like decidedly not hits at the time, and so like it's been it's it's a it's a weird franchise that has like had its ups and downs in the public eye. But I think like before the more broadly accepted narrative that exists now about these movies being like trans narratives and in a lot of ways allegories for queer existence, um, before that it somehow turned into a red pill movement where about men believing that. Um, actually, like feminism is the real oppress is the real oppressive force and. Um, taking the red pill is like waking up to the idea that like actually social justice is bad and like 
um, such women women should want to fuck you without without any question, and if they don't want to fuck you, it's because feminism is bad. Like it's it's it doesn't make sense, but you know that's how these things work. Is like these don't make sense when you talk about them, but um, I what I what I think is unfortunate, but also really interesting about it is that it goes to show, you know, for as much of a mainstream appeal as the Matrix has, I do think that like the ideas and the philosophies in it are sometimes presented in such a broad way that they can really be twisted into like fitting any sort of ideology and unfortunately Mm -hmm. with the matrix being a very like sci-fi tech related film it kind of makes sense why this would become a series that like got really um pulled into that sort of like negative you know incel type of space that would eventually you know grow and grow into what it is now which is the ultra yeah, it's so interesting it's almost it, it is very a very double-edged sword tease the matrix is mm-hmm. because i do think it is so much of it is left um up to interpretation and i think that it is kind of like a blank canvas and so i think it is really just easy to put whatever ideology you ascribe to or, or just any part of you and see that in these films and i guess maybe you know to a, to an extent we are um not guilty, but I guess, you know, that applies to us, too. Like, I think because we um, spend so much time thinking, ruminating on queerness, of course, it's like what we're, mm-hmm. what I'm going to see first in this in this film. But like, exactly. Yeah. It, it's just fascinating how this um, this little sci fi movie has um, so many interpretations. And again, like, I, I feel like I can't even scratch the surface of like my full thoughts on it. But like, um, it's have you like, seen have you seen the the tweet of Elon Musk going take the red pill Ivanka Trump replying taken and then Lily Wachowski going of, fuck both of you <laughs> fuck you both yeah <laughs> truly like one of the most iconic pieces of writing on the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> which which um, truly is like in a lot of ways like that is what the matrix 4 is kind of about i think um yeah well it's a, do we want to like i guess transition over to it cuz um i think my thought my my next thoughts are kind of leading into sure how sure this well I, is a response to it i i think all uh, that to say the to sort of tie it back into the narrative of where the movies have have been over the last decade is that you have the red pill movement you and then you have you know the the public coming out of lana wachowski as trans and then a couple of years after that lily wachowski also comes out as trans and then um suddenly this this film franchise where you know people will be like well it's just the matrix you know it can be whatever you want it to be about like yes true but then also when you see that both the creators are trans it's really hard to deny that reading i think to deny the creator's intent yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um and so that sort of uh leads into this fourth matrix movie while it's not directed by um lily wachowski it is directed by lana wachowski um it is the first um the first three were directed by both of them together but this is the only one that's directed by lana um mm-hmm. and is also i believe the most expensive film ever directed by a trans woman which is very Ooh. cool to think about oh, wow. um i mean just i mean just in 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 scope and size like i i can't yeah. think of any other f- films with this much mainstream appeal that are even directed by queer people let alone a, a trans woman mm-hmm. so here we are 2021 2022 with the fourth matrix yes. movie <laughs> um, um how do we want it's to start so with this one? Well, it's fascinating because, like, the movie... I, Lana Wachowski practically says in the movie, like, I didn't want to make this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, that's, and that's I pretty guess, much what happened. I mean, just, it, it seems like from interviews that Warner Brothers would constantly come back to the Wachowskis and go, do you want to do a fourth Matrix movie? Do you want to do a fourth Matrix movie? Um, and then there's a scene in the movie that 
I literally think mirrors a real life situation where Lana Wachowski was told, "Hey, if you don't want to direct a fourth Matrix, we're gonna make we're it, gonna without do it without you." Without you, yeah, um, and that is like explicit. So, I guess to zoom out a little bit, um, so quick spoilers for I guess the end of the Matrix trilogy, which again I haven't seen, but like I guess uh, Neo and Trinity go on a bunch more like ass kicking adventures. Um, sure, 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 and then it's like cool. broker eventually like broker a peace with the with the machines and like some humans mm-hmm. are allowed to like make the choice to like live outside the matrix or you know um decide to continue being part of their little um human farm operation <laughs> or whatever <laughs> which um, honestly makes they... sense because when in the, the the real world in quotes of the matrix is like this apocalyptic hellscape you see it and you go i would actually maybe choose to stay in the matrix yeah. tbh <laughs> yeah my like sorry sorry to not be you know a radical uh radical and down with the movement but <laughs> pretty like two-thirds of the way into the matrix i was like yeah blue pill me up i think yeah li- <laughs> no, literally i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna stay in the in the matrix and eat steak yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's that's the move for me sorry um mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess they broker some piece with the machines and then die somehow. They like get into some kind yeah. of yeah. Well, crash. Trinity Trinity dies like trying to help Neo. Neo like you know, there's he has a Mister Smith comes back. There's a big fight between the two of them. Neo dies in the fight with Smith, but it also destroys Agent Smith, um, which you know is what the machines wanted, and so the machines agree to you know follow Neo's deal and allow some Mm -hmm. humans to leave and some to not leave if they don't want to and that's where the third movie ends I'll say pretty definitively it doesn't feel like uh they're setting up much for a fourth matrix at the end of it considering that the two leads die at the the end the two protagonists die Um, yeah and and yet here we are and yet here we are um Neo he's still in his uh, he's still in a little computer world and like has forgotten why he's there um and in this version he is um a game developer who had created a trilogy of video games called The Matrix um <laughs> which like everyone is like everyone is like oh wow you're like this genius game developer and like everyone's asking like oh is it based on your life and he's like yeah I do think I based a lot of Neo on my life and like mm-hmm. isn't putting the pieces together that like you know uh he's back he's in the, in the matrix, matrix right now is, uh, but it is kind thing. of a mind fuck because going into this movie like I didn't know what to expect and I'm watching this I'm like mm-hmm. wait did, did the matrix happen um like yeah, the movie and yeah, it doesn't so really answer it for you it's and it's it's and i love it because it kind of brings back that same mystery that the first movie had when you're watching it and like wait what is what real is, yeah. what is real and what is not um mm-hmm. um because you see like on his like shelf in his office like figurines of like neo and trinity and like the machines from the matrix um and it's yeah. just so bizarre like you literally see them like going to like the you don't see them but you can imagine them just like going to the comic book shop and like buying all the nerdy matrix shit and then putting it in the movie and saying, Hey, Neo, Keanu Reeves, you made that, right? That's super cool. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I really liked this like framing device, you know, of like him being back in the matrix and, you know, being blind and being this game developer because like, um, it felt like that first act of the movie was again, like I said, Lana Wachowski being like, fuck you guys, I didn't want to make this movie, so I'm going to make it weird as shit, and here we are. Like mm-hmm. you said, he has that scene with uh, Jonathan Groff, um, where Jonathan Groff is like, literally says, like, Warner Brothers is going our, to make Our parent company, Warner Matrix Brothers, game. has decided to make a fourth Matrix game. <laughs> um, it's, like, not and, even and, subtle, which I'm, like, amazing. It makes yeah. so much sense that, like, Lana would be so unsubtle, considering that, like, the lack of subtlety is what caused a red pill movement to happen 
15 yeah. years ago. So I'm like, sure, be as unsubtle as you want. And it's really, because I, I do think it then, that then kind of like frames this whole movie of like being a commentary on like reboot culture and mm-hmm. like. And the Matrix um, itself, like the legacy the, that the film franchise has had in culture since it came out. And just like I, I, more broadly too, like stories and how like how society takes stories and uh, reinterprets them or reiterates upon them. Uh, there's some line at some point where it's like stories go on, you know, whether we want them to or not. Like even when we want something to end, if you know uh, the public is attached to it, they're gonna um, continue the story regardless. And so, like, I think it a- asks a lot of questions about like. Uh, agency when it comes to um, the stories we tell like um, you know again the matrix is so much about uh, do you have a choice or are you just doing what you've been programmed to do yada 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 Um, I think it's asking the same thing of stories in general of like do we have any control over these things or do they kind of uh, exist on their own Uh, which I think is neat (laughs) exactly yeah, so so Neo Keanu Reeves is in this uh, new version of the Matrix, but he doesn't know it. Um, Trinity is also there, but she's like this um, soccer mom, like in the most like um, you know deliberate sense of the word. Like she is, she has a husband whose name is Ch- Chad. <laughs> did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, I I did. Yeah, she who actually fun fact is um, Keanu Reeves stunt double from the very first Matrix movie, which oh, is no why way. it's That's very fun. funny that like her fake husband in this fake Matrix is his double in the you know mm. the le- the meta levels to the Matrix levels. is going deep. There's levels to um, this shit, girl. But you know, there's this very um uh um there's this bond between Neo and Trinity that is like there but not where like they keep running into each other or they keep like almost connecting but not um Mm -hmm. and neo is like despite being this hideo kojima-esque like auteur video game figure at this company is like super depressed and i you know i'm not a famous video game developer but i thought there was something um in the ways that i think matrix was really relatable to like gen x and millennials in 1999 i think there's something really relatable about like um neo's very specific like malaise of depression that's in this version of the movie yeah, um, where he's like living his life and just going day to day, but then he's like sitting in a bathtub with a duck on his head and yeah. doesn't know what to do with his life. <laughs> um, another thing about the like um, game development framing of it, which obviously I love because we're gamer girls here on this podcast. Uh, but as they decided to like make the fourth Matrix, there's this scene where he's like sitting in a room with his team and they're all shouting this idea of like shouting out their ideas of like what to do for the fourth Matrix. Um, and also like uh, ruminating on like what the Matrix is. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of this thing of like, oh, Matrix is like a trans allegory. No, it's actually about uh, women's rights. So it's about this and this and this. It's about and, guns like, and action and stuff. And it's... Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I I thought that was a really like fun on the nose thing of like here's all the ways that it has been like again like this blank canvas for people to like impose whatever they think it is onto it and how that is causing poor Keanu to like be further in crisis over yeah because you can literally like imagine like Lana Wachowski like sitting in a board meeting like with a group of people trying to brainstorm Mm -hmm. a new Matrix movie and like her literally hearing these like oh it's about it's about trans politics it's about capitalism and like Uh her just going like I don't know it's and it's so um (laughs) it's so funny and also really sad because it makes you it, it makes it comments on like this culture where it seems like our our stories and these characters that we love never really get to end 
um, which I think the movie is like making a very deliberate statement about of like Neo and Trinity were dead and yet here they are and we like literally resurrected them, brought them back yeah. to like well, that's be the in gag. this in this new reality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the gag. It's like, why are they alive? And it's because like I guess the machines recovered their bodies and like, you know, resequenced their DNA and like basically literally built them back together and like mm-hmm. um, you know, used the energy of their like magic love powers to like keep yeah. them like separate but close enough so that they're generating like super powerful human brain waves mm-hmm. and because really like cool. the because the in the in in the in the real machine world they're like too many humans have left the matrix and they don't have a, the same power that they used to and so the only way the only way to make more power is to do a reboot we have to do a reboot <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um and i think i'm not the first person to sort of like draw the um <laughs> the line between how Neo feels in this version, this new version of the Matrix, where everyone is yelling about what media means all the time and what it's like to also be on the internet in the year 2022. Mm, yeah. Um because I, I think a lot of the um a lot of the complaints about the Matrix movie. It's a Matrix movie. People are gonna complain about it, of course. These are very as much as people say they love them, these are also like the most divisive films in the world because <laughs> Uh, people do not like this fourth Matrix movie, and one of the biggest complaints I see is that, like, well, it doesn't really look like the Matrix. And true, the first Matrix was a movie shot on film, and this one shot on digital, and they don't have a lot of the same, like, production team, a lot of cinematography, or a lot of, um, just a lot of the stuff that made the Matrix look the way the Matrix did. This movie, I feel like, in a lot of ways, is actually closer to Sense8 than it is to Matrix Resurrections. I feel like it's closer, in, at least in filmmaking style, but, um... Yeah, but it borrowed some of those white boys. <laughs> even some of those actors from Sense8. Um, but I also think that there's like something something to be said about this very like um bright, aggressive style of filming that is used in this new Matrix movie that like to me, in in my heart, makes makes me anxious and feel like how it feels to be on the internet where everything is bright and loud and anxious and everyone's yelling. Mm, and all in the your time. face. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's interesting too. I mean, they they talk about like the noise of the Matrix, I think once... Mm-hmm. So Neil escapes again and goes to Jada Pinkett Smith, who's old Hel- now. Because- is, is, helps is um, is a um, escape aided by Miss Blue Heron pronouns herself, Bugs. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also was like, that must be like a deliberate choice to like give her blue hair and pronouns. Mm-hmm. And, also- <laughs> and also her name is yeah. Bugs, and she goes, Bugs, like the bunny. Like bunny. I'm like, okay, yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's cool. But anyway, yes, they, she, she, and a new team, and also a new Morpheus um, helped a new, a, a new gang of uh, a new gang of gay people on a spaceship. Because again, yes. just truly like the most gays in space. Gays, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you could imagine running these, running these like little rogue spaceships. But yeah, takes them out, takes them to this like. Um, to the city that used to, so explain this city used to be Zion, but now it is. So Io, yeah, right? so the human city in the original trilogy was called Zion, um, and now mm. in this fourth one, we learn that Zion fell, but there's a new city called Io, which is um, a human city that is not just humans but also machines, which is a thing that's yeah. new in this film. Is that this is the first time we've seen also the machines on the side of the humans, um, which is really beautiful because what yeah. we learn in the movie is that like, well, now that we've teamed up with machines, we can actually like build things and technology that we were never able to do before without the machines. And, um, you know, it's a really cool, like, they think there's a line. It's like, it's no longer us versus them when the definition of us versus them is completely changed. Yeah. I, I took notes um, during that scene because like they talk about uh, Jada Pinkett Smith talks about how like Zion was like, 
stuck in this very binary thinking of thinking mm-hmm. it's us versus them, it's man versus the machines, it's right versus wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, makes this comment of, like, they were stuck in a matrix of their own, kind of, like, mm-hmm. adhering to this binary that, like, kept them from making uh, progress and ultimately led to their demise. So I-, I think it's really interesting that, again, like, we had this theme of, like, breaking through the binary, breaking through... um through your conceptions of what you think is possible and embracing modernity and em- embracing acceptance and progress. And I yeah. thought that was really and, and even this And even this movie is like redefining that definition that it set up in its own yeah, logic right? of, the, of, of it only being machines versus humans in the first mm-hmm. three movies. It's really cool. But like we were saying about um, like the noise of the Matrix, um, Neo and Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, what's her, Niobe, her name's Niobe, mm-hmm. um, have this scene... Um, did you want to? Did you want to finish your thought about? Yeah, that? they sit down at the red table. <laughs> yeah, they sit down at the red table. Um, no, yeah, and like um, I was just gonna say, she has this quote about how, like, in the Matrix, like, it, there's this loudness, and like the thing that she loves the most about being out is that there's this sound of silence, and that, that like mm-hmm. it feels like she can look away. And I think, like you said, it's commenting on this on how society today is so online that it feels like we're always enveloped by the noise of the internet and can't escape mm-hmm. it. So. I thought that was yeah. neat. Do you want to hear a, a really fun nerdy fact about um, the the new city and this new movie? So it's called it's called IO, which um, if you uh, did you watch without the Z in the N, yeah. exactly. But you saw part of the you saw part of the Animatrix, right? Um, yes, mm-hmm. um, which is this beautiful like movie of animated short films about the Matrix that came out after mm-hmm. the trilogy. Um, but what we learn about we learn about the original human city in that. Or no, not the original human city. The original machine city um, in the Matrix was called Zero One. So Ooh, instead of being is... Zero One, now it's called IO. And if you know binary, you one know that zero. zero One is One and One Zero is actually Two. Ooh. So so now IO is actually Two, tease. not just One. I know. And it's the you, sequel. It's a sequel. And also, I think come, it, 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 it gets back to the idea of like, Neo is the one, but it's, we learn in this movie, not really the one. It's, it's really the two. It's both of them. It's Neo and Trinity's bond that like made the Matrix and Neo special, not just him being a, you know, cool white dude. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's, so they have to go save Trinity. That is what they find out. I mean, this, the stakes in this one are like a lot yeah. lower. It's like, it really it's, just turns into, they get Neo out and then Neo's like, we have to get Trinity out now. And then they do. And that's like what the plot of the movie is. I really like that. Yeah. It's not the most like, like, I don't know, twisty turny movie in the world. Like I did really enjoy it. Um, but I was like, it, it did feel like it was like, okay, well now we're just, we're kind of just going from plot point to plot point, but like, it was okay. Cause I do mm-hmm. think that like, it, I think there the middle part drags sticking yeah. it together, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I like that they at least kind of turn it on its head a little bit. Where like he's going to save her, but there's this idea of like, well, she has to make the choice whether she wants mm-hmm. to wake up or not because Trinity can't remember anything and is also having this crisis, and um, uh, so they have to go save her. But also like, um, she has to learn for herself whether or not she wants to embrace the truth and fight Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Oh, I was going to ask, what did you think of um, our our two gay villain stars, Jonathan Groff and Neil mm-hmm. Patrick Harris? The yassification of Agent Smith. Yes, yes. <laughs> Agent Yas. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, I, I, I love a gay villain. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's like a problematic trope or whatever, but God, I love, I love, what, I love a white gay man being a villain. Cause no, well, there's literally... The so... <laughs> So Jonathan Groff is like a new version of Agent Smith, and then Neil Patrick uh-huh. Harris is like this 
is Neo's therapist, but then we find out is like the creator of this new version of the Matrix. Um, yeah. And <laughs> Agent Smith and Neil Patrick Harris, or Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris, like face off together one moment. And as soon as it happened, I'm like, ooh, the girls are fighting. The girls are fighting. What's the tea? The girls are fighting. Um, <laughs> but But in reality, I do think it is really cool that like the two primary antagonists of this film franchise are gay and yet neither of them are playing like i would say the stereotypical like flamboyant villain none of them are like giving uncle scar or anything jonathan groff is a little bit like he does talk about how like this version of himself has like striking beautiful eyes and how he thinks he's so handsome so there is i I also believe that's just jonathan groff also (laughs) well i was gonna say i do love that like this film just kind of villainizes white cis gay men a little bit because yeah they are because let's be honest no offense no offense umfi but like white cis gay men are the like uh lowest common denominator in the rainbow umbrella (laughs) and they are and they are like the unfortunate key holders in a lot of the gatekeeping of like yeah exactly queerness which sucks because a lot of it isn't even made by white gates a lot of it is by black queer people and yeah that's a whole whole other people yeah i don't know i i think again i don't think any choice in this in the casting or the direction of this movie was uh coincidental i think that like it was mm-hmm. probably a very intentional choice to have these two actors play these villain roles and i think it leads to some interesting thoughts again i i think i, I can't like crystallize all these thoughts into like um a thesis statement about the film but like i think there's just so many little interesting things to grab at and um Mm -hmm. think about with these movies Um, yeah and that's what and that's i think why i like these movies so much is that like your first watch of these is like you are just mm -hmm. bombarded with so much information and lore and logic and stuff that you're not even sure if you're supposed to like know is important or not and yeah it can be argued that like that is a poor form of storytelling i do think that like when the the two sequels to the original Matrix like are the worst is when they like are they just get so wordy and so like expositiony that like they the the the, the emotional yeah. meaning gets lost in them and I think That's this the- one has a little bit of it too this fourth one has a little bit of it um, yeah the whole like I I'm still kind of confused and I don't need it explained to me but like there's the whole thing is like um, Keanu Neo uh, uh, like unintentionally built this like codex to simulate the original matrix within the matrix that he's living in mm-hmm. and that like is what helps um blue hair and pronouns girl uh find him and find this new version of morpheus mm-hmm. and none of that ever really fully made sense to me but again i was able to kind of just throw my hands in the air being like okay yeah, <laughs> like it's, and, and that's fine that's okay mm-hmm. and like yeah you can go down like wikipedia wormholes like I have. but i also think that like i like these movies and i appreciate them because they operate on that very human level and that very like emotional level at the same yeah. time while uh-huh. at the same time being so full of you know logic and code and in a lot of ways these movies feel like um you know a lot of these characters are like programs and computers like it is like um a, a film series about like mm-hmm. how humans interface with digital technology and yeah. and how i think queerness interfaces a lot with digital technology and i think in a lot of ways that's why these movies mean so much to me because I am a very digital technological queer person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, to, to kind of counter something that I said earlier, like it's interesting, you know, the original matrix, I said, yeah, blue pill me the fuck up. <laughs> but like in this movie, I'm, I'm kind of like, Ooh, well question mark a, cause you know, humans have kind of made it good for themselves in this new little IO gig. Um, mm-hmm. But also like um, the choice to be blue pill does literally mean becoming a tool of the oppressor. And like, we see that in this movie, like, um, 
people get just get taken over uh, by the Matrix mm-hmm. and like their eyes go like all Cody and then suddenly they become like these mindless robots that like attack our protagonists and our heroes. Um, and so it does kind of say like, yeah, you can choose the blue pill, but in doing so, like you become you become a weapon for the oppressor to use. Which almost, is maybe not so far almost, off from from blindly buying into um to our capitalist imperialist exactly. system. Well, that's system what I think. I mean, if 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 I can just like get into it, get into it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a it, there's a there's a specific difference in this movie between you know how you said like in this new movie, just any old human that is blue pilled can like suddenly be taken over by code. Where uh, contrasted to the first three, it's like humans are taken over by Agent Smith, um, and mm-hmm. I. Ultimately, there's not really a difference, but I do think there is a difference. If you think if if you were to take the reading of like you are a if you are a blue pill, you can just be an agent of the state. If they decide that they like want to turn you into a mob, it's again mm-hmm. kind of feels like being on the internet in 2020. But it also goes to show that like the the oppressor that we see in the first film is you know this very white you know bl- suit and black tie Buttoned guy and sunglasses yeah. Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith. Um, and this movie kind of evolves evolves that point past like it's not just it's not just like the cis white men who appear as they are cops. It can be anybody with like the power to out somebody or be it to the oppressors in our capitalist yeah. system. Yeah. Oh, very. Oh, this is like take. This is like giving me like college dorm philosophy, like stoner all over yeah, again. Very that. It's like, Although it's like we never left. I guess maybe to bring a little bit of levity and bring up another kind of just like super like smart um, mm. comparison, just something really okay. intellectual. Is have you thought about how the Matrix is kind of like Free Guy? You know, Free Guy. Oh my gosh! You mean the Ryan Reynolds movie? <laughs> yeah, the Ryan, Matrix the Ryan, the, the so Ryan, Ryan Reynolds Free Guy vibes. I think. Would, did would you, you agree free, that Matrix you see, is so Free Guy vibes? Did, yeah. Did you see Free Guy? I didn't know. Did I did you? not see Free Guy. I did not see Free Guy, but I saw some I saw some dumb takes that were like, Free Guy did everything the Matrix 4 did better. I'm like, I fucking, <laughs> I fucking Wait, well, I kinda wanna I kinda wanna watch it just for the I kinda do. I heard Free Guy actually like wasn't the worst thing in the world. I just remember seeing the poster for that and going, that looks like a movie that doesn't actually I remember exist. seeing the trailer and being like, this doesn't look right. Um yeah. but again, digital world, what is real, what is fake? Mm-hmm. Who what if we're all just NPCs? In the grand scheme of things, um, say this. Well, this I, I, this also br- r- brings up the question of like, do you believe in? Well, this is a stupid question, but do you believe in main character syndrome? Like, do you think you are the main character of your life and that everyone else is just a NPC? No, I don't think I'm the main character of. I my don't life. think that That's either. The thing. I, I, I'm I like, do. there are people who are like way more important that I'm like, I'm here yeah. to support you, honey. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's just kind of like a fire sign thing not to drag our dear fire signs out there in the world but i i i fully find as a cancer that i'm like no i'm definitely just a emotional support npc who is going to have his own fully fleshed out character arc down the line and is going to have like a really cool side story um but i'm not the protagonist girl i'm not the one Mm -hmm. maybe maybe next season they'll bump you to co-star we'll see yeah um, um, do you think that... No Carly Rae Jepsen, do you th- but I don't want to be the one, the one. Do you think that you're just the side <laughs> character in my main story character life? Um, mm, interesting. Or do you, or do you think, um, or do you think we're like one of those movie posters where like both of our names are above the title? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that like, I don't know. I think that there's a, just kind of a billboard of our podcast, like hanging on someone's, hanging over someone's, um, 
I don't know what I'm saying, girl. (laughs) (laughs) A billboard? I want a billboard for this podcast. How much are billboards? I was, I guess I was trying to say that, like, we're in a shot where the main character is driving through town and you see us on a billboard or something. Or we're mm. playing, like, on their car speaker. Three and billboards. That's we're incorporated in. Three <laughs> billboards for a gay podcast. God, I fucking hate that movie. Oh. What is it? What is it actually? What's the title called? I forget what it's actually uh, called. Three, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, I never saw it. I heard it was. God. Pretty, oh, my God. I, I mean, Frances McDormand does. Carrie, carry down and acts. I did just watch her last night in in Macbeth, and she was um, she was a Ooh, I'm excited for that. Um, it was so but good. I highly itself, recommend it. God, but if anyway. I ever see Martin McDonough, it's on site, girl. <laughs> and it's just it and very that's problematic. and that's um, on and that's on. We'll save that for another conversation. Anyway, that, that's for next filmuary. Yeah, we're not covering three billboards over <laughs> Eddingsville, Missouri, on this episode. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what you probably wanted. Um, do we have any final thoughts on Matrix? Um, yeah. Uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah. Well, I guess. Um, you know, I avoided these movies for a long time because I thought that like it was just a dude bro, a white guy thing. Um, and I, I guess I just invite anyone who might be of a similar opinion to uh, reject that notion and to turn all art into take uh, the red pill, but not yeah, like that. Yeah, not in not in a Reddit way. Yeah, not in a Reddit 4chan way, but in a, like, yassify everything and make everything queer and see things through your own truth and your life and your lens, uh, because that is the best way to consume art. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really liked these movies. I'm probably going to go back and watch two and three. Um, yeah. I highly recommend The Animatrix, too. Um, yeah. Like we I said, watched... it's sort of, it's like a bunch of short films that are all made by different um, animation directors with, like, very... Yeah, very... Uh, again, this this came out last year, and Animatrix came out in what two thousand three. But it's very Star Wars Vision vibes, where it's just like mm-hmm. different animators taking a you know creating this short story in the universe of the Matrix and uh, putting their own style and flair onto it. Really loved it. Really cool animation. Lots of like um, Studio Ghibli vibes. Uh, it's great. Um, but yeah, cool. yeah, and the whole the whole Matrix franchise is like um, it was. It was infamous at the time for being like, uh, there was the movies and then there were these video games and then there was this animated movie and it was almost like overload. But again, I also feel like that was a little bit of a precursor to like the over stimulation of like every franchise just being in like every medium all the time now. Um, Which house is a visionary like that. That's that's what I love about them. It's like all of their weird stuff that like at the time was like not well regarded has almost all entirely been like re-regarded as like pretty great and visionary and ahead of the time and i think that's very true especially of queer artists we should Mm -hmm. put them in charge of more movies yeah and that's the dream too isn't it to have people realize that your works are masterpieces in retrospect i hope people listen to this podcast years from now and being like they were really onto something those little gay boys Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, i was gonna ask do you think that like we're gonna get a matrix resurrections video game proper i know they had that that cool Ooh. little unreal engine tech demo Ooh, yeah did you play that that was really really cool i did it was really cool um mm-hmm. just so fucking cool to see um ooh, i mean what a perfect thing to show how far technology has progressed um it, it basically just showed off unreal engine 5 and how realistic it can make things look um the like i don't know what it is but like facial 
like facial digital facial recreation in Unreal Engine Five is like scary. Accurate. Scary. Like, I well, truly it's was like, watching it. That opening clip, it's like it's flashing between Keanu Reeves human and digital, and you don't know when it's him and when it's, it's very not. hard. It's yeah. like I could I could still tell the difference, but it was like very hard. Um, that uncanny valley is getting smaller yeah. and smaller, girl. But then they um, like they de-age him and Kyrian Moss, and then they have like this cool ass like car fight that drives like through this yeah. huge city, and it looks so cool. And then afterwards, you can like walk around the city and like fly through it, and there's not much to do other than just look around, but. Really neat. But what a um, but what a perfect pairing the Matrix and like this tech demo that shows yeah. off like, oh, technology is getting so real we almost can't tell what's fake and what's mm-hmm. not anymore. Yeah. Ooh. And I know that like again, like it, it seems like the Wachowski's desire is for this to finally be the last mm-hmm. nail in the coffin of this uh franchise. But I could see it being made into like a really cool modern game. I don't know what it looks like, but I would I have help. To and I think that's in I I think something in the video game universe is maybe not more likely than a fifth movie, but it's something I would rather see than a fifth movie. Because yeah. this fourth, this new fourth movie ends and, pretty um, open ended, but also pretty like foot down. This is we don't want to do anymore now. Yeah, very riding off to, into the sunset again, mm-hmm. or you know, like flying of flying off overall. flying off in a sky full of rainbows. Yeah, literally, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see what it could be, what could be done in a, um, video game medium, which is so, um, cool. Um, I wanted to, I actually wanted to end with a quote. I want, I meant to share it earlier, but I actually think it works really good for closing without this little discussion. Um, it was actually comes from an interview that, um, both Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris did where they were talking about what it was like working on this film and what it was like, you know, um, not coming back to this franchise because they were both new to it, but what it was like to work with, um, you know, these, uh, this fame director, not these famous, because this was famously only Lana Wachowski's movie. Um, mm-hmm. But in, that, in, Do you know why Lily didn't, um, wasn't involved in this movie? Was that just not, It's never been commented on. I know she's, it. she's working on a show, a Showtime show. I forget oh, what yeah, it's yeah, called. Yeah. It's out um, already, right? Like the, it's out. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's had, yeah, what's it called? I, yeah. And continue. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, no, but I, I, it's it's assumed that Lily Wachowski just didn't really want to work on this fifth movie and and that or fourth movie, but that's that's okay. You know, they they together have not been working. I know Lana Wachowski's worked on Sense Eight by herself, and now it's, it's okay. They can do whatever they I want. Thought, Literally, they can do whatever they want. Didn't they both work on Sense Eight though? I thought that the two. Of them... I believe both of them worked on the first season but lana only did the second season in the movie Work. okay cool um but anyway um all that but to say you you look at you look at the work of these filmmakers and you see movies like the matrix where every single shot just seems so specific and so rehearsed and 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 to a to great effect you know these are some of the most like visually striking films i think we have in the modern era and yet like like i said people really didn't enjoy this fourth movie because people said well it doesn't look like the matrix doesn't it doesn't feel like the matrix anymore what happened why doesn't it feel like the matrix and um jonathan groff said in talking about what it was like on set working with lana um that she was in quotes explaining to us how in her earlier work she would storyboard things like they were comic books almost and create exact frames of what she wanted as her way of literally controlling her narrative because there was so much out of control inside of her. Then when she embraced her identity, this articulated itself in her work and opened her up to the idea of capturing things that can't be controlled. Um, 
which I think is a perfect encapsulation of this fourth movie for all of its messiness mm. and weirdness. It definitely feels like the work of a creator who is not afraid to, you know, fully embrace their messiness and fully embrace what can't be controlled. And that's what I think yeah. is really brilliant about this movie in, in in the same way that other people say it's terrible, um, which again, just goes to show that taste is objective, but I think yeah. Matrix Resurrections is a, a I thought it was capital, great. capital I, G great movie. <laughs> Yeah, I love. I I think it does really have that spirit of just like wearing its heart on its sleeve and being so balls to the wall and so earnest. And I think that is a ultimately a strength of this franchise. So yeah, yeah, and, uh, I'm glad. Yeah, that check you... it out. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yes, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say I'm glad you introduced it to me. Very yeah, happy. I'm glad that you liked it. It was very much when I was watching me, it. I, in a way. Yeah, I red pilled Lawrence, and I very much watching the movie with you. I was like looking at you, was like, oh my god, what's the think of this part? What's he gonna think of the it's, thing going in the belly button? No, he's gonna freak out. Oh, he did. He freaked out. It should be said too that like in exchange for me watching the Matrix, I did make you watch um, some episodes of uh, my beloved anime Naruto, which, which I think you also I enjoyed, have, right? Yes, which I did. Which I've also been watching more of since we watched yes! it. Just so you know. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wait, can we do an episode about it? <laughs> hey, we'll see. I we'll, think we'll I think you've earned it, Lawrence. You know what? I'll say yes. I've been <laughs> I've been sitting here frowning talking about the Matrix for an hour just so that um <laughs> just so that Eric will let me talk about Naruto a bit. Uh no, but I'm 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 very glad to hear that you're enjoying my ninja boy. <laughs> um if if they made a version of the Matrix but it was just the town from Naruto, would you be there in a second? Oh, Instantly. Also, that that brings me to my other point of like, why why boring leather outfits? Like, if I lived in a matrix and could look however I wanted, I would fully be. Um, I I would wear. I I would be wearing some kind of VR chat ass avatar skin. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we're we're gonna see. We're gonna see what happens in the next couple of years with with meta with metaverse mm-hmm, with the real life matrix. Yes. Yeah. Wire uh, me up. Uh, <laughs> oh god, do we want to take a break and come back and talk about? Let's get out of here and sweet. talk about other things. Uh, sweet. All right, go see the Matrix. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere, all around us right now. Are you in the Matrix right now? Who knows? We'll be right back. Bye. Go poke your mirror. See for yourself, girl. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small, and the ones that. When she's ten feet tall And maybe you go chasing rabbits And we are back with more gay for play Ooh Um so if you're new to the show Congrats on listening to, to this episode first. Thank you um, for making it so far. Thank you for making this your first episode. Um, and also, this is the part of the show where we're not talking about movies. Um, we're actually talking about what else we're gay for this week. Um, so, Lawrence, I want to know um, what other media has been out there in the world that's been making you gayer? Ooh, fitting, because uh, this kind of did make me a little gayer, or at least had gay content in it. I'm 
mm-hmm. already as gay as can be. But um, I finished Netflix's new animated series, Arcane. Newish, it came out in November. Uh, Arcane, the League of Legends show. Um, I had no um, expectations going into this. I know nothing about League of Legends. I've never played it. Uh, my roommates in college were big league players, so I've absorbed some of it through osmosis, but mostly went into this blind. Um and it was a really good show, really interesting, really cool fantasy world building, uh, really stellar animation and voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend I, anyone just I, like... I watched the first two episodes of it. I heard it has a pretty big shift like early on in the season. I wasn't loving yeah. the first two, but it sounds like I should keep going. Yeah, it's nine episodes long, and the first three episodes are like the prologue before like the show actually kind of like gets its gears turning and like once it does and the world starts to open up i think it is a lot more interesting overall i do think it like is not my favorite tv writing in the world it does feel like a little bit overwritten a little bit like not entirely original um, it's it's still it it's it feels like a like a well-written video game if, yeah if that, which i think anything. is no, and I think that's very fitting because, like, a lot of people are praising it because they're saying, like, this is, like, a good, um, I wouldn't say blueprint, but, like, a good example of how to, like, successfully translate, um, you know, a video game uh, characters and video game worlds onto TV and film. Like, I do think it is very effective at doing that um, and not, like, isolating any viewer from who, you know doesn't know anything about league um and so it makes me hopeful about like the future of like what other um you know video game things might be turned into film and tv um like mario (laughs) or the last of us or uncharted yeah it'll be interesting god that that uncharted movie looks boring it's gonna be it looks cursed and i think it's gonna be so bad yeah it's probably gonna be so bad but arcane is really good i i definitely recommend checking it out um it has some interesting things to say. I don't know if I'm fully sold on... I think it thinks it's more interesting than it actually was. Um, but that being said, I like was hooked through it and like did find myself emotionally attached to characters, uh, even when the circumstances kind of felt a little like um, weird or... Um, you know even in the parts where i couldn't buy it i still had a good time with it um and like i said it's visually stunning i think it's like some of the coolest animation i've seen um from anything in a long long time so it's well, yeah, worth watching it, it, just to, like, it reminds it. it reminds me a lot of um into the spider verse and that it has like a very um almost purposefully low frame rate kind of visual style to it um, yeah yeah but that looks uh, but that looks really really cool for the visual style that they're going for yeah and a lot of like mixing like 2d kind of hand-drawn-ish animation with like uh with incredible 3d animation as well just really really a feast to look at um and like and and a cool story though i mean is that is that is that correct i mean i i again i also know nothing about league i wasn't as into the show but it sounds like um i need to keep going so i think yeah I i find myself caring about um some of the protagonists some of them are like sticks in the mud a little bit and i'm like i don't know why i'd be rooting for this dude um but at its heart, there are um, at its heart is a, a, a protagonist about queer women, which is really cool. Um, there, like, um, there is queer content in this show, which is really cool. Um, it's subtle, but it's definitely pronounced. Like in um, a show for kids, I know. Can you believe that they're poisoning America's youth with uh, with this nasty, nasty lifestyle? <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's cool. I, I recommend checking it out. It's um, Arcane on Netflix. Go watch it. 
I can't wait for Joe Biden's future when they're playing episodes of Gay for Play in history classes. <laughs> the gay agenda. It's oh, happening. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, Eric, only what are you gay for this week? Ooh, so I mentioned last week that I am a um, newcomer to Xbox Game Pass, which... Welcome, King. Oh my god, it's so good. It's it's really good. It's a really good service. Um, and yeah. I've been Again, just... Like, I've been like we said so at the top games. of this episode, maybe a little bit problematic, considering Microsoft is, like, buying a bunch, a bunch of, like, IP and studios, and, like, is kind of, like, becoming is maybe are they aiming to become the disney of gaming kind of yeah but is it good for the consumer me who loves playing an exorbitant amount of video games that i'm never gonna finish absolutely Absolutely. um but i wanted to mention specifically um the game i've been playing the most in game pass which surprising me and i think most people who i've told this to is that forza horizon 5 is like if i had played it in 2021 maybe would have been one of my favorite games of the year Right, um, right. Because you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned this last year when you played it when it, you came out and you liked it a lot too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I kind of fell off um, after a while, um, but yeah, great vibes. Yeah, it's it's great vibes, and I think I wanted to specifically mention the 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 gender expression of Forza Horizon mm-hmm. Five, or like kind of like the 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 weird lack thereof. There is there is a really cool feature in the game that I really do appreciate that does allow you to um, choose your pronouns. Um, and also, you can you your you can present your avatar character as like masculine or feminine, but you can still choose either pronoun to work with either of them. Um, there's also really cool like um, uh, prosthetic prosthetic arms and legs that you can give yeah. your character, which is a really cool like you know visibility of disability in gaming moment. Um, but there's also something really cool about a game that. Um, um allows so much fun and customization and like expression of yourself without ever actually having to like really make your gender expression a part of the fun if that makes sense because Mm -hmm. you're just driving cars all the time this game is giving you new car after new car and when you're on the road and you ride by other players (laughs) you're going oh my god hey dude cool car um and, and maybe I'm being, like, super, like, heady about this and, like, trying to, like, turn queer philosophy into a thing that it's not. But I really like this game that, like, doesn't force me to, like, live a gendered lifestyle, nor does it ever come up in the story of the game. Um, I'm sorry, do you I mean know. it doesn't forza you? <laughs> it doesn't force me to... Oh, my God. I will say the biggest <laughs> issue I have with the game is how characters um, who have Spanish accents will just be talking in Spanish oh. and then just say amiga in the middle of the it, sentence. <laughs> it is truly, it is truly like our Latina pet peeve of uh, Latina characters being like, AOSA, we're gonna go drive our carro down to the street and have a fiesta, man. <laughs> you wanna come, hermano? That means brother. <laughs> like, it's very that, which... Um, I, you know, I think I'm of two worlds of where it feels a little um, demeaning and derivative, but at the same time, it's cool to see a game that, like, uh-huh. is as celebratory of Mexican culture, because there's a exactly. lot of really cool, like, cultural elements that come up in the game that I wouldn't expect to be in a game about driving fast cars. Yeah, I really loved, um, I think one of the first side quests that you come across is the um, the one about the Volkswagen Beetle. Um, mm-hmm. I really... Did you did you encounter that at all? Yeah, and then like your your passenger in your car like talks about like the history of the beetle in the Mexico because it was the, mostly manufactured there. It's called a, a voce, mm, right? A voce, yeah, voce. Really, yeah, just really cool stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, you know to add to your point, of what you're saying, like it does um, show the like um, 
I guess, family values of Mexican culture and how welcoming, um, how welcoming the Mexican culture is, which I think it was really cool to see that represented mm-hmm. accurately in a game. Um, and it's fitting because this, this game is very much just like cool party vibes, drive a cool car, and we love you for coming here and driving cars. And it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you, me living in LA, spending like what feels like 80% of my life in my carts. <laughs> so, so nice. And also really funny that like, I will come home at the end of the day and just like turn on my <laughs> game and go back driving. to driving, but be going at like 200 miles per hour in a brand new car. I just unlocked smashing shit on the road and like being rewarded for it. I'm like, damn, <laughs> this is like <laughs> the life I wish I was living when I was behind the wheel, um, mm-hmm. just in my day to day life. So Forza's really cool. If, even if you're not a car person, which I would say, I am not a car person. Oh, I don't know shit not, I am not. about mm-hmm. cars. And and yet here is this game that is like um, asking me to engage with cars in a really um, d- d- deep way that I never have before. So yeah. I, I appreciate Forza Horizon 5. Who knows? Maybe I'll go back and play the other Forza games. It's certainly more fun than the Halo Infinite campaign, which I've also been playing. And <laughs> Do you not like the Halo Infinite less. campaign? I don't like the Halo Infinite campaign. <laughs> okay. I am also not crazy about it. Like I, I had I had fun with it, but I'm also like, is it just gonna be more of this? It's just Yes, and I can tell you, I, I'm pretty sure I'm more than halfway through, and it's just that yeah. it's just it's just going multiplayer. Even though, though it is an open world her. game, it is going from outpost to outpost and doing Halo missions, which if you like Halo, it's fun. Yeah. But I don't this is not Breath of the Wild Halo, which is what I think people it were telling not, me it yeah. was before I started playing it. Yeah, I yeah I had fun with it, but I did not feel compelled to complete it. Also, because literally don't know what the fuck is happening in that story, nor do I care one inch. <laughs> I like the little blue talkie lady though; she's cute. Mm-hmm. She's cool. Yeah, she's she's slay. Anyway, do we want to um, end the podcast now? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Um, this is Gift for Play. We, if again, if this is like a um, your first time listening or one of your first time listenings, we do episodes. Almost every week, except for when we don't want to, um, and usually talk about a video game um, and are planning to talk about a lot of cool shit this year. Uh, Stuff we definitely have planned, right? (laughs) Yes, planned and recorded and done and in the bin. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, totally. Um, But if you want to follow us for um, all our news about it, we are on Twitter and Instagram at GayForPlayPod. Uh, you can email us about the show. We would love suggestions about uh, maybe episodes you would like to see. Not that we're hankering for suggestions because we obviously know what we're doing. Um, but mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. have any ideas, we'd love to hear them at gayforplaypodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, you can also, if you really, really like the podcast and want to throw us. some dollars at us, you can go to patreon.com slash gayforplaypod where you can you know, be a subscriber for uh, as little as $1 a month. For $5 a month, we don't mention it often, but you can actually get your name in the credits of this show. If you want to open up your pod description, you'll see some names down there. Those are our $5 patrons. Thank you, $5 patrons. Thank you for those five whole dollars. Really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, go on over there. Check us out. Also, this has been a long-term to-do list that I've been really bad about, but I'm hoping to... Um, get the uh, gay for play discord up and running uh pretty soon just so that we have announcements there because i want to get back to streaming uh I'd, i have been streaming or i had been streaming last year on twitch.tv slash gay for play pod uh hoping to get back into that soon and it would be nice to have a little discord community to go along with that yeah um, i hope so um, otherwise i am on the internet at afferman 76 on most social media platforms if you want to follow me 
Yeah, I'm uh, at Eric of the Sun at a shrinking number of social media platforms, but there are also underscores between all of those words. Detox your mind, girl. Exit the Matrix. I feel (laughs) so good. Um, Well, well, leave us a review also. We are so bad at reminding people. If you are, in fact, a brand new listener and listening for the first time, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Write a little review if you want. Like, I think this show is so fun to do and while i do love the little community that we have of listeners i would love for more people to find out that we have a show because i would because here's what here's what happens i will like play a game or like just do anything and be like i need to listen to someone talk about this right now and then i like Mm -hmm. try and find like you know the perfect podcast for the thing that i want to hear someone talk about but people no one's talking about what i want to talk about only i'm talking about what i want to talk about and it's happening right now on this podcast so, yeah, and I'm sure there's other people who want to hear it too. So please, yeah, share it with friends too if you think they'd be into it. We would really love to grow our audience this year and have more people um, join our community of discussing games from our little queer lens. Except when it's not games, when it's films, like it is mm-hmm. um, this month. Um, should we announce what we're doing next week for Filmuary? Wait, do we know? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll let you know. <laughs> we'll certainly let you know. <laughs> We'll figure it out. I have some Uh, ideas. I have some thoughts as well. Um, Okay, we'll talk about it after uh, we finish this recording, which we should do now. Which we're doing now. Um, I think that's all. Thank you for listening. We love you lots. Um, Thank you so much, listener. uh, Don't forget, uh, Matrix quote, Matrix quote. uh, Look in... Give me a Matrix quote. um, Have you ever questioned the nature of your podcast? Mm -hmm. Have you ever questioned... Yeah, think about it. Really makes you think. Do some investigating. Do do your own research in the Matrix. Unless it takes you to r slash the red pill. Then you don't want to be yeah, there. Then, don't go there. Ooh, hard left girl. <laughs> turn around. All right. You turn. All right, we're going to go now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gay for Play. Our music is by Connor Marsh and our show art is by Nick Adams. Remember to check the description for links to our social media, Patreon, and more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you down the rabbit hole in Wonderland. Wonderland.